You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I dropped an amazing episode with Dom Grimao of The Last Felony, Ion Dissonance, and Cryptopsy. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the podcast. Thank you so much for hanging out with me. I know there is a lot you could be doing right now, and the fact that you're hanging out with me really means a lot. I really, really appreciate it. This episode was really fun. Fran and I had a great time. I'm a fan of the band. You know, it just is a magical thing when it all clicks together like that. It was really, really a good conversation, and I want to get right to it. Before I do that, there's just a little bit of business to take care of, so let's do that really fast. First of all, I've received a few messages lately about the text chat, the community line that is open. You can text 503-751-8577. I haven't talked about it in a while, but yes, that is still going. So again, the number is 8577, and that's also in the show notes, so you don't have to like swerve off the road to write that down or anything. You can just text that, and there will be a couple automated messages to confirm that you want to join, and then everything else will just be a conversation between the two of us. Basically, how it works is you text the number, opt in to join, and then you and I can text each other whenever. I respond as soon as I can. I don't believe I've missed anyone yet. It's a lot to keep up with, but it's also a lot of fun. You can send me things, and what usually happens is I'll send a message out to everyone the same thing, like, hey, check out this link, or hey, check out this whatever. Usually it's pertaining to music in some way, but sometimes it's random. It's it's really random. It's a way to open a line of communication that I wouldn't otherwise have on the normal socials, and you can opt out at any time by texting stop. It's not a, not a big deal. But yeah, it's really fun. There are a lot of people on there and I've made some really good connections with a lot of the listeners. So that is a lot of fun. Additionally, I want to remind everyone you can support the show by making your gear purchases from tonemob.com sweetwater. Those links have been a little bit funny lately, but I fixed them. I found something on my website that was not quite right, and it was causing some folks to go to those links and it would say, hey, there's nothing here, but I fixed it. So tonemob.com slash sweetwater, tonemob.com slash reverb, and tonemob.com slash stringjoy are all operational. So that's sweetwater.com, reverb.com, and my fine folks at stringjoy, of course. So yeah, that's pretty much it. Let's let's knock all this garbage off and get right into this episode. I think you're going to enjoy it. Here we go. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Tone Mob Podcast, the show about guitar stuff occasionally, sometimes. I'm your host, Blake Weiland, and with me today, I have Francesco Archisato from... Well, lots of things, actually. A <laughs> couple of things. How's it couple going? Couple things. Good, good. You know, just trying to keep keep my head on straight. How about yourself? Yeah, kind of same here. Gotcha. Well, you, you're primarily here to talk about the light, the torch stuff, but just in case my audience isn't as familiar with you as, as they should be, maybe we could start with your musical backstory. I know that's long and and storied, but uh, <laughs> we, we could start when you started playing guitar and how we ended up talking today. Yeah, sure. Yeah, so I'm one of those people who started playing guitar kind of late. I was 19, and uh, it kind of happened by accident. I was, uh, you know, at that time, I was really into martial arts, and I was training a lot. I injured myself. I had, a, you know, like an issue with my right foot. And basically, I was told that, you know, for six months, I wasn't going to be able to do any of that. And at that point, you know, I had a, 
you know, my brother, my cousin, they both play guitar and I had some guitars at home and something that I never, for some reason, never really even try to play. I mean, I was listening to a bunch of music, but I guess I always felt like, okay, my brother's doing it. I don't need to do it. And then, uh, then in that occasion, I started playing and then literally was, uh, a week later, I was already talking about, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to be focused on. And I started looking for, I actually heard about Berkeley College of Music from a friend of my brother. And then uh, I started, I did my research and kind of right away, it's like, okay, that's going to be my goal. I'm going to go there and study there. And and then meanwhile, my family was just like, what? <laughs> you're, you're 19. What are you? What are you talking about? It's like, oh yeah, I'm going to move to the States. I'm going to do all these things. And yeah, when I think about it, it's like now that I'm more of an adult, you know, if I think of, you know, if I had a, my son or my daughter were to tell me something like this, I would, I would freak out a bit. Right. But you know, it's like in the end, it was one of the best, you know, decisions I made in my life to, to, I mean, w once I, like, I, I felt so, you know, passionate about music was, a really good decision, you know, just, uh, you know, especially for the music that I ended up doing just the States is definitely the, the right place. So, yeah. So just lots of practicing. And finally, three years later, I was, uh, moving to America and it started with Berkeley college of music. Were you always into heavier stuff or did, where did you start with? with no, actually, uh, I, I mean, I was listening to obviously a lot of, rock and but it's like pop a lot of a lot of classical music uh and and it all comes from you know the music my parents were listening to that you know they the kind of parents they always took us to concerts and uh and then there'll be like classical music opera or could be like uh you know rock concerts elton john eric clapton you know all kinds of stuff and uh yeah so always listening to music at home so that was a, uh, and then the other thing is like also my brother, who's also a musician, you know, he already had like a, a passion for music. So obviously he would show me a bunch of stuff. It's like, as soon as I started playing guitar, you know, he was just right away showing me like Steve Vai, Joseph Triani, like all that. And uh, yeah, so it was a, a good introduction. Do you remember the first like aha moment with guitar? Like, we yeah. like, what is yeah. this? Yeah, he, uh, my brother showed me the the riff for uh, Smoke on the Water. There you go. <laughs> and then uh, I played that. And obviously, it's it's a fairly easy thing to, to play. So even, you know, like, it, it, when you start playing guitar, it's easier to do that than strum, like, a, a bark chord, you know, it's like something like that. So, um, yeah, so that was it. It was like damn, this is so much fun. And uh, yeah, after that, I just like got so into it. Did you start playing in bands when you, like as soon as you got to Berkeley or did that happen afterwards? I started actually before because like uh, one of the things you always hear is like it's very important to also, you know, not only practice in your you know, bedroom or studio, whatever, just like try to play with people. So even when I was in Italy, I, I try to have a, you know, we, we started a band and at that time my brother was singing the band and, uh, he actually, my, my brother had a band already. And then they basically fired the guitar player to have me in the band as a guitar player. Ouch. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, but, <laughs> uh, I hope that guy doesn't hate me. But <laughs> maybe does but, a little bit. Let's be honest. <laughs> maybe does. Yeah. And so, yeah. So this was before Berkeley, and uh, once I got to Berkeley, probably like uh, a year later, uh, I we started with the band over there, and all, all like people studying at Berkeley, and so it was like extra fun to be in a band like that. And and I actually saw right away how easy it was to 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 just play shows. Because in mm -hmm. Italy, it, it's just you don't really have the the venues for this kind of stuff. I mean, for for small bands, obviously, if you're a touring band, yes. But you know, you're just starting, it's it's really hard to just find a way to play shows. 
Right. And uh, and in the states right away is like, oh, you want to play this weekend? It's like sure. And then next weekend, it's like, you know, drive a, a little bit around. You know the, and at, at that time it was in Boston, and uh, but the, yeah, right away it felt like yeah, this is probably the the right place. The people dig it here, and uh, yeah. So, but uh, yeah, after we graduated, we all moved basically the band to LA. Because, uh, well, I mean, the drummer and I, we both have uh, graduated in film scoring. And so obviously film scoring is, uh, you know, you kind of want to move to L.A. Because that's a, that's a place where you really get to do that. Of course. And, uh, yeah, so while trying to work, and, and I did some work with, uh, you know, with film scoring, I was also, you know, really focused on, you know, trying to do something with, with the band, our band. And then once our band, we kind of like, uh, like everybody started having their own things and like one guy quit and another guy quit. And so it became a thing. It's like, okay, I really need to focus on, you know, doing my, doing my things. And, uh, I, I try to play with, uh, you know, anybody really, I'd like, I got to play like, uh, gigs where I was, you know, on bass in a, like with a hip hop group stuff like that just like just to try to play you know mm-hmm. as much as possible and then get you know noticed and uh actually with the the band that i i had before that's how kind of happened the, the connection with osha parish because we we were doing one of those uh you know those ripoff shows when you like you gotta sell a bunch of tickets to to play and i mean la is, is really known for this and in our case we were supposed to open for Divine Heresy, but instead of opening, we played after. <laughs> they did put us oh, after, geez. which is like, <laughs> as you can imagine, like everybody left. It was just like a few of our friends and girlfriends, and and that was it. But nonetheless, the tour manager of Divine Heresy saw me play, and um, and after that, we talked a little bit, and he was he told me he was impressed, and um, and so months later. That's when, uh, at that time, the band was not a thing anymore. But uh, I got um, a call from uh, Oshel Parish manager asking me if I wanted to audition. And then he knew of me because of that tour manager who had talked okay. about me. Yeah. Yeah. So one of those type of things that happened. And uh, yeah. And that same weekend, I, you know, they flew me to San Francisco to meet the band and basically they told me it's like in 10 days we're going on tour and uh and that was it it's like just you know just learn a bunch of songs and started touring like that you played with them for quite a while right yeah 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 that was uh yeah a few years and uh i mean i don't know if you if you're familiar with it but like things just uh went pretty bad with lawsuits and stuff like that with Osho Parish. Oh, I, I'm not familiar with, I know the music, but I didn't know the story. So yeah. Gotcha. That, that sometimes is the way the cookie crumbles. It's unfortunate, but yeah. Uh, yeah. I was able to do one record. I mean, we had, I, we basically were done with the record uh, number five and that's what the lawsuit with the, you know, one of the original members basically sued, the the current band and basically that that was the end of doing anything with that band. Gotcha. Was it weird going from, you know, being in a band playing after divine heresy to all of a sudden touring with all show parish? Was that like a shock at all? Oh yeah, absolutely. It's like, I mean, it's what you, you dream that, you know, you hope that one day stuff like this is going to happen. And, uh, yeah, and then once you start touring, obviously, like at that times, like I I did a a tour with the with the band that I had here in LA, but it was one of those tours like we booked it ourselves in you know in a small van and just experiencing for the first time, you know that kind of stuff. But and also those guys at that point were my best friends because we were you know went to school together and all that. And all of a sudden, it's like you go on tour with people you kind of barely know. Right. And uh and you're around them all day long. And then real life touring can be like a, a real um 
like a, a bigger band touring can be more tiring, I think, because of this just more, uh, more going on. And, uh, like the, the first tour that we did was Danzig. And then, uh, right after we had like a week off or something. And then we started with Summer Slaughter. Summer Slaughter is like, I never experienced something like that. It's like, like being in the heat, like playing these venues where like 11, 12 bands and they're all like super heavy bands. Crowd is going nuts. Like some of the most sweaty places ever. Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> I, you know, the, the venues that literally like you see that condensation coming down the like the ceiling and just like your face while you're playing it's just like brutal but yeah. you know it's it's part of that also type of touring and uh yeah so it's like w when you're touring with your own you know like when i was touring before that was like you know you play like i don't know some small bar and it's just more chill it's like eh, whatever it's like over all, all of a sudden you have like people filming you and all this stuff's like you know you just there's a lot more pressure for sure. And so you, you kind of learn all that and you need to learn it all pretty fast. And, uh, and shortly after we went to Europe, that was my first European tour. And, uh, you know, that's the other thing that, you know, it's like, a again, very different tour in Europe than in the States. And so it's like the first year was just a lot of stuff happening that it's like every tour is like a new adventure. And then you start going to Asia. I start going to places like every time is like different. So, but nonetheless, it's, it's such an intense experience and, you know, you, you don't really get bored. Right. <laughs> There's always something happening. Keep you on yeah. your toes. Yeah. I was going to bring up the point about there being all of a sudden just a ton of pressure. Do you feel like you're the type of person that really thrives under pressure or did it provide a point of stress for you how did you feel about that i think like at that time uh it's one of those things like when you're about to like when you sense a time like that is about to come you kind of like fear oh i hope it's not going to be too crazy too intense but when it happens and you're like just it's full of adrenaline like you you're so like like just pumped and, and excited to just see things happening. It's, it's when, I don't know, it's just, you bring like a, there's a next level of yourself that, that comes out. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and, and I mean, I also have to say like, uh, this used to be, you know, in, in your twenties, you're, you're, you're full of this now. Like I've, I like my life to be a little more, uh, you know, in control, more, a little more relaxed, you know, when like something big is about to happen, it's like, it's a lot of adrenaline, a lot of like, you know, you get, you, you know, you, you can get a little, you know, you can feel the discomfort sometimes. So right. it's like, it was <laughs> definitely easier when I was in my twenties, but, but yeah, nonetheless, it, it's there. Those are very important moments. And those most of the times are the moments that you remember the most about, in my case, for example, the music career, the, the moments where, you know, you would have to, I don't know, work extra hard to do certain things. Like for example, that one time when, with Osha Parish, like the fact that they send me, um, the material that I had to, you know, show them, like basically film myself, like doing some stuff. And, you know, I just right away, I worked so hard. And then the same day I already sent everything. And then the morning after they called me and then it's like, Hey, you want to fly to San Francisco, learn a song. And then I had a, like a day to learn a song and just show them that I could do it. And then after that, it's like, okay, you have 10 days. And then we go on, on, on the road, you have to learn 12 songs. And so it's like, I remember those moments cause it's, cause there's so much pressure and so much adrenaline the whole time. And so I think those moments are needed. And also the moments that elevate you to like a next step of your inner evolution in a way. It has to be like a tremendous feeling of accomplishment too. Once you get through that and you, you get done playing that, you know, that first show or maybe the last show, I'm not sure which one it would be, but, and you're like, I did it. That's gonna yeah. feel really good. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, and honestly, I realize how, those are actually the the moments that 
like, I don't know, like that you enjoy the most in terms of feeling you're getting something back from this. Mm-hmm. Those are definitely the moments where you're like really feel good with yourself. Like I did this, you know, it's a good feeling. Right. So how did the light the torch stuff come about? Well, so um, tours uh, probably like three, four year, years after uh, I started touring with Oshel Parish and playing. Um, I started writing demos with the drummer that I met here in LA still when I was like str- a struggling musician. And, uh, and him and I had talked many times about doing some stuff together. And finally, you know, in between tours, I started working on demos with him. And those are actually demos that end up being like the, you know, what we sent to Howard. And uh, at that time, you know, Howard didn't really know if he was going to do music again. So we, but I mean, yeah, he kind of had disappeared from the, from, from everything, you know? And then uh, we were able to get in touch with him. He got excited with the music. And then uh, a few weeks later, we just met here in LA and started working. And at that time, that's actually the project that became uh, divine, um, Devil You Know, right? Okay. So that was uh, when we started Devil You Know. And at that time, I was, I was, still, I was still doing Osha Parish, so I, I still had tours and stuff. But that's when things are, were starting to just be kind of weird. Uh, at that time, like the singer... Uh, our singer, Noshal Parish, had uh, joined Suicide Silence. So he was going to be touring with them. And then uh, I was potentially getting more busy with Devil You Know, so like with the record and possibly going on tour. So it kind of like happened at the same time. And then the lawsuit stuff happened. And that was like, okay, now I can just focus only like uh, Devil You Know. And then... Uh, a few years later, we got in, again like issues with the. It's always the drummer. <laughs> so with the and then again with the band name and all that stuff. So we decided to just move on, change the name, and basically start a new band because you know Light the Torch really does feel like a new band. At least for us, it you know the first record is the first record of Light the Torch. It's not the third record of this band. Like you know, some right. people think. And so, and that's how like the tour started. It's kind of like, you know, more of a, more of what we wanted to do because also with Devil, you know, there was so much of people's interest in what we were gonna do. It's like uh, between managers, labels, and uh, the producers. Like everybody had something. Like they wanted a pro- the project to sound like s- something, right? Because like, oh, it's Howard's big comebacks. Like it should be like this. It should be like that. We should please the old fans. We should. And then meanwhile, we were like, well, well we were trying to do something else. We we're trying to do, you know. So I think like, especially with the first record, it was kind of like hard to to really find a, you know, a balance of what we really want to do. And And I think like what's good with, light the torch when we started fresh at that point we were we were basically not even signed and then we we kind of fronted you know the money and all the expenses to get into studio and start working on the new on the new songs and uh and and those are you know the you know songs we were just way happier about than than we had been before and and as soon as we showed to you know, again, label and stuff like then, then that's when they said, yeah, we want this. But we, we, at that point, we believed in, in the project label, no label. And even like managers or no managers was just like, this is what we want to do now. And then we don't want people involved, you know, telling us, Hey, this should sound like this, this should sound like that. And I think like we kind of established with that record, this type of, uh, you know, environment. So even with the second record, everybody involved in the team, they know that basically we do our thing. And then after we're done, they get to hear the music. They get to, you know, it's, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's a good feeling because, 
you know, this is exactly what we want to do. There's nobody telling you. There's no nobody coming to the studios like, oh, you should change this, you should change that. How weird is that as a creative person? Like you're like, this is my thing that I've made, and you got some Joe Blow coming in and just being like, nah, you need more of the thing that I want you to do. And it's like, yeah. but this isn't your thing. That would just be so strange to me. I know it happens all the time, though. Is it? Is it as oh, yeah. weird as it might? Is it sounds? It does happen all the time, and uh, it definitely is weird because, I mean, again, there's like sometimes you have people in the team that you actually kind of want to listen to, like, uh, you know, for example, the, the team that we have now. It's like honestly, if they have things they want to say, it's like I'm actually going to really pay attention because I, I trust what they, they have to say, their experience. And, uh, but then again, it's trust that you have to, you know, it just doesn't come out of nowhere. Right. So in the past, it would be like, just somebody just saying like, Oh, you should do this. Should I'd like, I don't even know if you're saying this, it's you're, you're thinking about, you know, what's, what's best for the band. You're thinking what's well, best for you or I don't, I don't know, but yeah, it's like something that it's weird when you're you have been working on music for possibly like I don't know, you write the song a year before, then you're in the studio and then you work on it, do all these parts, arrangements, and in the end somebody shows up and is like, Oh, change this. And you just like you just listen to it once and then I don't know. There's some people that like, I had experience in the past that would just like come in the studio and just like move their head and just listening to it. You'll just look at them. It's like, what are you doing, man? Just, <laughs> just, just leave. <laughs> but, but yeah, it's, uh, at least now it, it's, it's, it's a very different, it's a diff different uh, like situation. So this, this show is supposedly a podcast about guitars and stuff. So maybe we should go through your, your gear journey now that we've heard you know, yeah. a high level view of the musical one. What was your first guitar? My first guitar was an Ibanez and, uh, yeah, RG six string, mm -hmm. a red Ibanez, really cool guitar. And still I have still it. have it, still have yeah. it. And, um, actually a few years ago, because that, that guitar was still in Italy. And so I had it, my brother was visiting and basically he took it apart. He put it in his luggage, he brought it here, and I gave all that to the guys here at the custom shop, uh, the Ibanez custom shop. Mm -hmm. And uh, and basically says, like, can you guys put it together and just, you know, clean it up and just make it like it's new. And I mean, because th those frets were just gone. It's like, I played that guitar so much. It's crazy. Like, all my guitars now, because I have so many, it's like, none of them have, like, frets that are really, you know, they all kind of look kind of new. You know, and but at that time, I was just like only playing that one guitar. And so, yeah, I asked uh, to just, you know, just basically like do, a, I don't know, like a get everything in great condition. And uh, yeah, I still have the guitar. It plays wonderful. Yeah, it's, it's an amazing guitar. So that was, uh, yeah, first guitar. Then uh, after that, yeah, I had a few years so I where I wanted to try different things. Also, when I went to Berkeley, you know, being that Berkeley's mostly like you're doing, you know, jazz and that kind of stuff. You don't really like, you you know, at least when I went, there was not many classes where you just go and shred, right? Right. So, so I had like, uh, I wanted to try different, different type of instruments and uh, I experimented for a little bit. And also that's when I also really got into seven string and uh, we were also playing with that band that I had, it was called His of Atrocities. That was the, the name of the band. Um, we were playing seven string guitars. So at that time I had a, it was a Schecter seven string guitar. And um, yeah, and after that, it's basically, you know, play a few of those, those guitars. And when the Ultra Parish gig happened, you know, the good people at Ibanez said like, yeah, if you want to play, you know, if you want to, be endorsed where we'll be happy with that and and that's it it's like been playing only ibanez guitars for all these years they're so great and generous giving me 
guitars every year and and now it's like building custom guitars for me and it's awesome it's really that's awesome. gotta be a that's gotta be a great feeling like oh it, ab- absolutely it's like it's one of the other things it's like when uh when i started playing guitar and i still have like all the catalogs that would like collect the ibanez catalogs and it would just like look at the pictures of these people like playing guitars it's just like oh my god what a dream and then you know to be one of those people now it's 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 awesome it's so cool what about the rest of your rig? So, what were you? What amps and stuff were you playing back in the day? Yeah. So, uh, when I got at one point, I got I was really obsessed with Dream Theater. So everything was Mesa Boogie, and uh, first then, rock band I ever saw. Dream oh, really? Theater. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah, amazing band live for sure. Um, so I had Mesa Boogie for for a while. For a little bit, I actually had to sell all that when I was moving to the States. Right. So, and then when I was in the States, um, I got a PV6505, and that's the, the amp that I was using to play live with the with the band. And I still have that, actually. I still have that amp. Uh, that's actually the amp that you see in the, in the music video that we put out, Wilting in the Light. That's oh. the amp. Yeah. Okay, cool. Because yeah, because at that time all my Laney rig is in storage in Indiana. That's when we when we left off like the the tour that we were on last year when the pandemic happened. So we had to fly home and then we just put everything in in our storage there. And so I have a few Laney amps and they're all there. But anyway, so yeah, so after Mr. Boogie it was a PV and then uh, through all Shop Parish they had a deal with Angle so because of that i started playing angle also and uh and it it, w- it was when i went to i was doing like a, a clinic tour for ibanez in uh, in asia for a few weeks and i met the the one of the main guys at laney and he was there uh in beijing we were doing kind of like the I, don't, I forget the name it's like something like expo whatever it's basically like a nam but they do in in beijing Okay. So I met him and uh and at that time um well, uh, well actually after Angle with through Osha Parish we we started uh having the deal with Mesa Boogie. So we were playing Mesa Boogie again. And then when I was uh, doing this uh, clinic tour in Asia it was super hard to get Mesa Boogie amps because like you're playing in like you know you're playing Taiwan, you're playing like in the middle of China. You go to India, you go to like certain places where like they just didn't have the distribution. So I couldn't get, I couldn't have like a, a, a Mesa Boogie amp. And then uh, when I was in Beijing, um, the guy from Laney told me, he's like, well, we actually have one of the best distributions in the world. And, you know, with us, like anywhere you go, you'll have the amp that you, you want. And so that's when we started talking. And since then, I, you know, that's when I started playing Laney and I've been playing Laney since yeah 2011 so 10 years nice specifically what laneys are you playing i play the iron heart it's the 120 okay sweet yeah how about pedals you like pedals at all yeah i i like pedals uh nowadays i'm obviously with the you know pedals to me it's more like studio and and at home with traveling and like on stage and uh, having a guy like Howard who can't stop moving and goes like, you know, he turns into a maniac live. <laughs> it's, it's better. It's better to not have too many things on the floor. And uh, so I have like a small pedal board uh, with everything. And uh, and I'm actually, I've been using, um, well, I had like TC Electronic for a while. And now I, I've been actually using Line 6 for, for a few years. And, uh, yeah, I got, you know, in touch, uh, with them through Dino Cazares, uh, years ago and they've been good to me also. So, and their product, their products are getting better and better, but yeah, when I'm at home, it's like, I like to, you know, try it with different stuff. It's like even in the studio, it's like, it's a, it's a cool thing to do. And honestly, like even, even plugins of, cool pedals now are, are becoming better and better. So it's, you know, that, that can be useful to, to just like, uh, 
here and there have like a good plugin of a sim- like simulation of cool pedals. But yeah, one of my one of the pedals that I actually kind of discovered a few years ago, and I uh, and then you can hear it in both the first light to torch and second light to torch record is the Fender Blender. Oh yes, yeah. love the Fender Blender. Yeah, it's awesome. It's got it's it's so unique. It's got that you know because obviously I I like a, a good you know fuzz and but it's like this one's got mixes with the octaves and some kind of ring modulation it's like very unique sounding and uh yeah so that's something that is like especially parts where it goes heavier in the song like you know kind of breakdowns or or you know any part like that i just either i add like in the middle there's like um a, a layer guitar that has that or sometimes like you just hear that, you know, it's, it's becomes the main guitar. And, uh, and I just love the, the different, like the way it hits just like, it feels so good on, on this record also to kind of like achieve the same type of uh, effect. Uh, I also started using, um, and which is kind of weird cause it's not really for guitar, but it's, uh, it's, it's a plugin called, um, it's a phase distortion by uh, kilohertz. I don't know that one. And uh, and it's basically like it's more like a, I guess elect- for I don't know. Usually you see the stuff being used with the electronic music, but I just put it in, like in the in the chains, like like on the guitar, and and it sounds so good. Also, it's just like it creates this very gnarly just like sound that has like so much color and so i kind of like use it in the same way so on this on this yeah on this last record uh it's sometimes it's fender blender sometimes it's phase distortion and uh yeah it's it's really really cool and uh other than that so uh, delays and reverbs everything gets done in post Mm -hmm. you know and so it just Pro Tools plugins and stuff like that on the record. And uh, amp-wise, uh, we actually, on this record, it's actually all um, JMP Marshall. Oh, wow. Yeah. Old we school. Yeah, we used the uh, JMP on some of the less heavy tracks on the first Light the Torch, and then everything else was EVH. And But on this one... I had a different guitar with different pickups and uh, actually guitar with uh, pickups with uh, less output, but um, the, the, the Marzio Fusion Edge. And uh, while the previous record was recorded with, you know, had a Seymour Duncan distortion. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, I was playing with this, the guitar, different guitar, actually. Even the guitar, it's all different from like my, my past guitars. Like I always... Um, I used to always do like mahogany body with the maple top, uh, maple neck, and rosewood fingerboard. And the guitar that actually played in for the whole record. I mean, for the the rhythm guitars, uh, which is the majority, obviously. So it's it's actually a ash body and uh, ash body with the ebony fretboard. So very different sounding guitar, but for sure. like. When we were like messing around with tones in the beginning, we we used the same basically settings that for the JMP that we used on the previous record, and I think we just like with the the like uh, overdriving front, I think which I think is the Maxon. Um, I think we just boosted a little more, and yeah, that that became the tone for this record for the majority. During the recording process, was it mostly all? the real amp mic'd up in the room or did you split off a DI and mix in some other stuff too? Oh yeah. We always do DI. So uh, later on we can reamp and do stuff. So we, you know, using camper, using all that. And, uh, yeah, cause honestly, like even with, uh, the camper, it, it's so good. You just profile the sound and that's your sound anytime you want, you know? So it's a, it's very convenient. But I think it's it's good to always have the DI tracks for later on. 
because of uh you know just like in case you want you decide later on you want change the tone for this one song or you know tweak it it's like whatever it just makes it much easier yeah i found i haven't done just a ton of recording but what i have done it having a di track is is you know it's fun for tweakers like me who just like yeah cannot stop messing with stuff and you absolutely create new sounds it's so much yeah. fun yeah, and the same thing with the dealing with pedals like uh, you know Fender Blender or using the phase distortion. It's the kind of stuff like, you know, when you record it by itself, you know, it might sound great, but then once just like you mix it, and then on top of that, you, you add layers of other stuff like keyboards, and you might want to have a different, dif- you know, different settings. So it just gives you the freedom to do so. Yeah, I haven't talked about this in a while, but I used to quite often when the show first started, like. When I was recording a record with my band, there was a song that just wasn't quite hitting right. And so we're like, what's going on? Why does he, why do these guitars not sound the way they should? And fortunately, we had a DI, and the trick ended up being to record a really like horrible, high-pitched, like way too treble-focused guitar track, and then just mix a little bit of it in with hmm. the rest of it. And I was like, oh, that's what it needed. But if you isolate that track, it sounds like garbage. <laughs> it's a yeah. recording is a funny, funny experience that way. Oh, absolutely. So when you, you know, you, you've had, you know, obviously a lot of success with a couple different bands. Do you have any advice that you would impart to maybe a younger version of yourself? Oh, myself for... Yeah. Or my personal music journey. Yeah, if you could go back and tell yeah. yourself something. Well, one thing that I would, I think one of the biggest lessons that I, I end up learning and and finally made me a happy musician was uh, worried about your journey. Don't compare yourself to others. Because for many years, you know, obviously when you, when you start playing and then you have all this, you know, guitar idols or musicians that you kind of want to you want to be as good as them or things like that just like oh always become it almost becomes like a a race to like you know am i ever going to be able to do that or am i going to but like it's not really what music should be and then i think like when i finally accepted this it's like well i'm not going to do what they're doing i'm doing my thing you know this is my journey in music that's when I finally started being like satisfied with my work and, uh, and kind of enjoying it more, you know, because before that it was just, I don't know, feeling like you're, you I mean, it's even now it's like, it, it's important to, to feel like there's still more to, you know, I still have a lot to learn. I still have a lot to, you know, evolve. Like just, it's a constant, it's a work in progress, obviously, but, it's your own work in progress. You're not trying to emulate somebody else's career. I think that's really important. I think that's really important for anybody who's trying to pursue something creative for the way they earn their living, because you can get really caught up in the like, Oh man, how many subscribers does this guy have? Oh man, I'm not there. Oh man. They just hit number whatever on this chart. Oh man. And you, and it's pointless. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it doesn't yeah. matter what everybody yeah. else is doing. And honestly, it's like, you know how like a lot of people say how, you know, social media can depress people because you're always comparing yourself to other people's lives. And most of the time people are posting up what's good about their life, you know, mm-hmm. the highlight and, reel. Uh, exactly. So it's kind of the same. I mean, in this case, obviously it, it's not like a, you know, as it's, it's a little more, uh, deep obviously when you think about a career and then who you are but it's like comparing yourself is never really a good idea just like it will automatically make you a little depressed a little unhappy with what you're doing and instead just focus on doing better use other people as like uh you know inspiration not like just comparison it's a it can be really hard, especially I think for, for younger people to try to get into that headspace. Absolutely. You, you just yeah. see everybody doing the things that 
you want to do. And I know this might sound kind of weird, but sometimes if you get the opportunity to be in these situations that you've imagined, you'll come away from it and go, huh, that wasn't quite like what I thought it was going to be. You know, like I'm not fundamentally different as a person now because I experienced it. Yeah, exactly. It's a very, uh, it's a very weird world we find ourselves in (laughs) these days. (laughs) Oh yeah. So what are, uh, what are some of your favorite touring experiences? Is there anything like stand out in your mind? Like, man, this, this was just an amazing thing that we got to do. Well, there's a, that definitely many of these, I think one of the really cool, like, um, this was uh, uh, with Osha Parish. Uh, we we happened to be a band that you know Kirk Hammett really liked, and uh, Kirk Hammett really loved Osha Parish. He actually there was like like a, a article and uh, I think it was Rolling Stone or not sure, but he basically um, basically said like the, the the his top fifty records of all time. And then wow. he put an Osha Parish record at number 26. And then he, you know, it's so like, wow, this is kind of interesting. And then uh, when they were doing the Orion Fest, they invited Osha Parish to play. And, you know, there was like multiple stages and all that. But we were put main stage. And so the state main stage was like ended up being Osha Parish, Deftones, and Metallica. And, and obviously as you can expect, like, you know, Metallica fans are most likely there for Metallica. I mean, Deftones is a, is a huge band, so they, they might like that. But we all thought, it's like, oh, man, they're going to just chant Metallica during our the during our set. It's going to be brutal, probably, t- for us to play. But so Kirk Hammett showed up before we went on stage. And, and we started talking. And he talked to, to me a bunch because he was just, like, just being super humble and telling me, like, Oh man, I admire what you guys do. I can't even play six train. You guys doing with seven? It's like it's amazing. Blah, blah blah. And he's actually, you know, obviously showing that he's a fan of, you know, it's like a certain type of shred. And so we talked a bunch about that stuff. And then he introduced us on stage. And so he actually went on stage and told like the crowd, "This is one of my favorite bands. Is is from the you know the Bay Area." Blah blah blah. And so it's like such a good way to go on stage and started the set and the crowd was just loving it. So that to me really felt like, wow, this is a a special moment. I will always remember this, you know, it's like, I can imagine. So memories, they're just like unique. And, um, yeah, so that was like amazing. And, uh, and that's so many, so many different ones, like crazy adventures. Like when, I mean, when you get to tour in Asia and, the, you know, it's there's so many cool things that are always happening. But another one that I think like just more recent, and this was uh, two years ago with Light the Torch, we played this um, festival in, it was actually not really a festival. It was basically they were organizing shows um, on Sundays. This is in, was in Quebec. And, uh, so basically, like this huge outdoors venue, it's like gigantic, it's like insane place, and I don't remember if it was like fifty or sixty thousand people that day, and and was gonna be uh, light the torch, kill switch engage, and Slipknot, and uh, wow, <laughs> and the show and the show was insane, just like a sea of people, and the fact that like we have videos and stuff like. Uh, it just like us on stage and then the crowd singing our songs like so loud or, or like jumping, clapping hands and things like that. It's like, and then when, the, when we finished playing, they started giving us doing the, the whole crowd started doing the whole, like, uh, you know, soccer stadium chant. And, uh, I was like, amazing. It's like, those are moments that you're like, ah. and, and you know, what's crazy. Like mo- moments like this, it always feels like they're so surreal while they're happening. They almost like enter a different state that you mm-hmm. almost like not consciously really fully enjoying it. And once it's over, you're like, Oh my God, this just happened. I didn't even like, and, uh, and yeah. And the feeling that you have after in your body, just like the pure electricity and adrenaline. It, those are great moments. 
does it feel like it, like almost like did that happen was that me yeah oh yeah absolutely absolutely <laughs> it's like it's it's so crazy it's like how you know it, literally you feel like you're in a different zone it's like well well it's happening it's like the whole set the whole thing and yeah it's, it's just very special yeah i can imagine that you'd find yourself in a in your room you know maybe by yourself maybe brushing your teeth like four days later and just be like wait a minute you know <laughs> kirk yeah. hammett just introduced us to thousands of people we just yeah. had what he's like what is what has my life become <laughs> yeah no yeah and then uh, i mean there, there are moments where especially after certain tours where things are particularly great you know you come back and all of a sudden it's like oh i'm not playing in front of a bunch of people today i'm not you know things are you know you go to the store and you're just like uh oh, just buying grocery now just yeah. pay the garbage definitely, <laughs> yeah it, it's definitely like uh it, it yeah but honestly these are all good uh feelings in a way that oh i mean especially because we i've done it for for years now so i know it's 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 not it's not making me Oh, any more special than the people at the store, you know, just mm -hmm. like this is a job. I'm very lucky to do it and, and have like certain success. And, and I just, I'm happy that things are happening, but it doesn't make you more special than other people. So just get used to it. Exactly. Exactly. Do you, uh, where do you see yourself in the future? Do you have any big goals in mind? Or are you just going to keep on trucking and seeing what happens? Yeah, I think at the moment things have with the first light to torch record after we put it out basically like the whole time it kept things kept getting better. It's like uh and then there's like you can see a a, a a band like growth in like different ways like from, you know, uh I mean the the amount of people that are listening to your music, you're watching your videos, like people at the shows people buy merchandise and everything, you know, the, the tour offers that you're getting, the tour guarantees, all that, everything kept going up. Right. So it's like, it felt so awesome. It's like to, to just finally see like all the things that, you know, starting your own band and seeing these things happening. So right now, like with this second record, obviously it's, you know, it's not an ideal time with the, you know, in a normal normal life will be on tour probably already or like while the first record comes out while the while this record comes out and then probably to the rest of the year but like this is not really happening but at the same time it it just it we have like a very you know we feel very good about this record coming out and uh and we are confident that it's gonna still elevate keep elevating the profile of the band and uh and to me this is just being a fun journey to be part of you know just being there and then like being part of it and seeing things getting better and getting you know i just really enjoy it and to me it's just more of this that's that's my my goal right now just to keep seeing this and and try to make this band as as big as we could possibly, you know, make it. I think, uh, I think that's really cool of you. You know, it's just like, we've got the thing that's working. We're going to keep doing it and see what the, what the unfolds in the next leg of the journey. Yeah. So do you guys have any plans to try to tour? I know things are like still really kind of weird. And a lot of people are announcing tours, but yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if all of them are going to happen. What What are you guys is What are you guys yeah. looking at? Yeah, we're we're looking at possibilities for tours in the, in the fall. Obviously, I think everybody and even like agencies and you know booking agencies, like everybody's trying to be very cautious because you know it's 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 easy to get excited finally. Oh my God! It's like we got vaccines now. Let's just plan things it's like well uh, things might be harder than you know they look still and uh but meanwhile obviously we're looking at uh, many different options and so far we have uh two festival dates announced in september 
and uh and yeah so it's like obviously the outdoors events are gonna just be more manageable but mm-hmm. i don't know still like how a, a venue tour is gonna happen like uh we'll see but i mean i honestly uh, fingers crossed and i hope so like uh, i hope that it's just this can develop quickly and we're just all gonna be able to tour again yeah i miss the live music i miss it a lot it's the number one thing that i've been missing out on for yeah for all this time you know absolutely well cool man you know this is a getting close to the end of the podcast and i have a few classic questions i like to get in to wrap this thing up but before i do that i like to give the guests an opportunity to you know Say whatever they want to say. If you got somebody you want to thank, you got something you want to plug, you know, a particular recipe you want to give out, anything you want to talk about right now, the, the <laughs> floor is yours. Let's see. Well, first of all, I, I would like want to say thank you to the to our team. You know, it's like management, uh, label, like everybody was like pushing to make things happen. It's like this for the first time, like we got to, to work with the management that really, really feels like they believed in us from day one, you know, and, uh, and they've done really like an amazing job. And to me, it's like experiencing this from managers for the first time, because like in the past I had pretty bad experiences with certain managers, you know? And, uh, yeah, so this obviously like, thank you to, for them to to keep pushing and uh, obviously the guys howard and ryan like uh to be doing this with with me and the fact that we're all having a great time doing it you know it's just mostly like fun and it's still it's still something that you know it's like you you get older but you still feel like you know you're living your you know the, the dreams where you were a teenager you know, and it's still happening because of you have people like you who are your your partners, and uh, and that's something that I feel very fortunate because you know you go on tour and then you feel like you talk to all these people and you meet people, and then like sometimes you meet a lot of people that you know they they never got to do what they wanted to do. You know, they tell mm-hmm. you, it's like, oh, yeah, when I was like 20, uh, I really wanted to do this, but, you know, didn't work out. And then, and I know what it means, you know, I when you're, you're, you're trying really hard to make something happen and it doesn't happen, it's it's can be really tough. So I'm so incredibly for, fortunate and thankful that, you know, for me, it's actually, you know, my career is, is this and, you know, being an artist, it's... It's like being an artist and being able to do it, you know, comfortably. It's such a, you know, such a luxury in a way. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's something that, I'm, you know, I'm never going to be not thankful for. Oh, 100%. Like, I can relate to you on that in a big way. Being able to uh, break away from the quote unquote, you know, normal, whatever that means anymore, is truly like something that's a blessing. So. I understand where you're coming from with that, for sure. Okay, last questions. Here we go. This one, I'll be interested to see what you say. What is your favorite boss pedal? Uh, I'd say, like, well, the one that I used the most uh, for years and years was the, I think it's called NS1, right? The noise, the noise gate. Uh, yeah, NS, NS2? I can't NS2 remember now. Or, yeah, the NS, Y1. NS something. Noise yeah. suppressor, though. Yeah, the noise suppressor. And uh, yeah, I used that for so long. I mean, I don't use it anymore, but yeah, I used to use it. So I guess like that's the one that I use the most as a boss pedal. Cool. Yeah, that's one. that one's underrated. You can do some fun tricks with that one. I don't have yeah. one. I should get one. I should get all the pedals. That's what I need <laughs> to do. All of them. All right, then S2. All right, cool. All right, this is the last question, and this is the one that gets a little bit dicey. But uh, you're from Italy, so I'm I'm very curious to get your take on it. What is your favorite kind of pizza? Hmm. 
pizzas like for me it's usually like uh i do it i i don't i don't ask to have like a bunch of stuff on top to me it's like i mean even the the like the guys who make pizza they tell you like to taste pizza you kind of want to get something very simple so like i'm gonna say in italian margarita or mm. or you add just like a, a little bit of prosciutto on top San Daniele. Oh, yes the thing is i've been vegan since august so i haven't uh i mean i'm actually like planning to travel to italy soon and that's going to be a challenge because i'm pretty sure once i get to italy i'm gonna have a pizza with real mozzarella <laughs> but yeah because i mean pizza's kind of like stopped being fun since i started being vegan because it's like that the cheese makes it it's such a big part of the flavor you know mm -hmm. the overall flavor so using vegan cheese that doesn't melt right doesn't it's not the same and and also it's like obviously not gonna not put in prosciutto but like yeah even just a simple you know pizza just like with no no toppings to me it's kind of like a that's when you really you, you put a little bit of like basil on top fresh basil mm -hmm. a little bit of spicy oil and then that that's it man it's like love it yeah i've 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 grown to really appreciate the simpler pies as I've gotten older. When I was a kid, it was like, put all the toppings on like, <laughs> a, like a typical American, you know? And as I've gotten older, I'm like, you know, sometimes less is more. I'm not yeah. going to lie. Obviously, the pizza needs to be really good because if the pizza is kind of okay, then you probably, you're, you know, it's better if you just add a bunch of toppings. Right. Yeah, the crust has to be there. Like the crust has... Be, has taken like the first spot for me if the crust isn't awesome then the rest of it can never be I, yeah. awesome it just can't absolutely well that was that was good to get your insight on that thank you very much <laughs> all right we can wrap up this section of the podcast i think thank you so much for coming on it was a lot of fun thank you thank you it was for fran this is blake and as always folks good luck and good tones there you have it folks Thank you so much for hanging out with us. That was a good time, and I bet you enjoyed it too. In fact, if you need more, Fran and I talked a little bit more over on Patreon. So if you like this show and you want to see it stick around and have it continue to exist, you can go to patreon.com slash tonemob, where for five bucks a month, you can get extra episodes beamed to your ears every week, including more with this week's guest. Fran and I are talking a lot about cars on this particular one. Sometimes those Patreon ones really go off into the weeds. And there are over 150 additional episodes waiting for you over on Patreon that you'll get access to right away as soon as you sign up for the five buck level if you can do that. If you can't, I get it. Times are weird. But please, 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 please share it with a friend. If you enjoyed this episode or any other episode, please tell your friends about it. Sharing on social media is great, obviously. We love to see that. We, we as in me, me, I love to see that. But honestly, a personal recommendation from somebody goes a lot further. Most of the podcasts that I listen to on a regular basis and really enjoy and love, I've discovered through a friend being like, hey, you would really like this show. Definitely check it out. It just it just goes a lot further and means a lot more. So if you have the ability to do that, I would really, really appreciate you sharing your favorite episode with somebody close to you. That would mean a lot to me. All right, everybody. I think that's good. I will see you on the interwebs. Follow me on Instagram at The Tone Mob. Join me in The Tone Mob Facebook group. Catch some content on YouTube or go download another episode. There are a lot out there for you. All right. Talk to you next time. Bye-bye. One last thing before we totally sign off here. I just want to remind you that if you do any shopping at Stringjoy, that's Stringjoy Guitar Strings made in Nashville, that will help me out as well. As I've said for years, I'm heavily involved in that company, and I really do think they're making the best products on the market. So if you would like to try custom strings, go to ToneMob.com Stringjoy and check them out today. I seriously, seriously, seriously love what the team down there is doing. 
I help them out with all kinds of things. And by you supporting them, you are also supporting me as well. And hey, you need some strings, so why not get some custom strings just for your guitar and playing style? Again, the link for that is tonemob.com slash stringjoy, and that will take you right to their website, and you can do all your shopping through there, and that will help everyone involved out. So thank you very much. Talk to you next time. We are brought to you by the wonderful folks at Gun Street Wiring Shop. Yes, Gun Street Wiring Shop. I've talked about them before. I used to say based out of Bend, Oregon, but guess what? Sean moved to my neck of the woods. Sean's in Portland. Sean is awesome and has helped me with a bunch of stuff lately. And if you have wiring needs for your guitar, he can help you too. If you want to get weird with it, he can get weird. If you just need to spruce things up a little bit, there's your guy. He takes all the guesswork out of doing your guitar wiring, and he makes it simple, and his customer service is top-notch, and I can't say enough good things about Gunstreet as a company. I really respect Sean and what he's all about, and the product is top-notch. I've got three different guitars that now have Gunstreet harnesses in them, and I could not be happier. So go to GunstreetWiringShop.com and check them out.